This is View of the Valley's podcast. I am Chris Smith, and I am joined by TJ Hoover. TJ, how are you doing? I'm excited to be here. You know, kind of a dream come true. Get to talk about our passions, me, the Missouri Valley Conference, you with the Ohio Valley Conference. Obviously, appealing to a very narrow demographic, but hopefully we'll find some people out there that are as passionate about their conferences as we are. Well, as you just mentioned that, you know, be a certain group that, you know, will find this appealing. And as I was talking to some of my friends earlier, they're like, so what exactly does that podcast deal with? So, well, it's college basketball. And they're like, oh, so you're going to break down like the Kentucky transfers and, you know, their incoming class. I said, no, it, it just strictly has to do with the Missouri Valley and Ohio Valley. And he's like, oh, that's, well, I don't want to listen to that. I don't care about either of those. So, yes, we do know that only a select group will tune in. But hopefully you'll enjoy it if you are one of those fans from those two conferences and uh, just enjoy a good college basketball uh, podcast. However, this week's show is like an intro into what this podcast is, who we are, and what this podcast will be in the uh, coming weeks. So first off, explain the View of the Valleys title, as some may wonder what that means. View of the Valleys is the Ohio Valley, and Missouri Valley. So this will be a podcast that combines both of those two schools. How did we get to this point and what made us want to do this podcast? Well, I've known TJ to be a big Missouri Valley fan over the years as he reps a different Missouri Valley shirt like every time I see him. And he's big into going to the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. And, you know, myself being the big Ohio Valley fan I am, I was driving down to actually an Ohio Valley basketball game earlier this year, back in early January, I was going down to Murray State to see a Murray State and SEMO game, and so oh, you know what, we're going to get this thing going. I'm going to call TJ right now and see if he wants to do a Ohio Valley and Missouri Valley combination podcast and see if he'd be interested. Well, me knowing his true passion for it, I already knew what he was going to say before he even answered. So that's kind of where we were at. And I'll let uh, TJ give his thoughts on, you know, what he's going to be excited about for this. Well, I'm SIU Carbondale grad when I was there, uh, late 90s before uh, the end of the uh, seasons. Carbondale was finishing around eighth in the league. Um, they weren't real good. I probably went to less than five games in my two years down at SIU. And then about 2011, 2010, somewhere in there, I went one day, took my oldest son. Hey, let's go over and, and watch SIU play tonight. They're playing on Thursday night. We grabbed tickets. We had terrible seats. We we're like in the corner, a thousand yards from the, the floor and watched that game, watched most of the next game. And I came home. I told my wife, I was like, you know what? That's all I need for Christmas. You give me two tickets to the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament every year. You don't have to buy anything else. There's no shopping to be done. This is what we'll do. And the next year I went and had two tickets, went the whole time. And it should become a real tradition for me. It's one of the biggest weekends of the year for me. I'm a big Indy 500 fan. So between those two weekends, I'm, I'm set just with doing those two things. So, And once I got out of coaching, I had more time. and I had more time to devote to it. Bought into the old ESPN Plus and... I'll be out there with three, four TVs a night watching different games if I can. And uh, my wife, happily, she tolerates it for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the ESPN Plus account, that's been very, very key for both these conferences because you can watch every game on there. 
unless it's one of the games that's nationally televised. Um, back to my side on the Ohio Valley. I really became an Ohio Valley fan back, you know, when I was very young. I probably was seven, eight, nine years old, and my sister enrolled to go to Southeast Missouri, and she was a cheerleader, so I was going to be going to, you know, the sporting events because my family was going down, and we were going to, you know, go down there to support her. Well, she ended up dating one of the basketball players that played at SEMO, and who she is now happily married to. But we would go down to like all the home basketball and football games. We went to occasional road game here and there. I remember going to UT Martin, which was an absolute zoo to get to. Got lost on the interstate trying to get there. Um, But going to all the home games really made me, you know, find interest in the Ohio Valley. And from watching my brother-in-law play, even to when he was done and graduated, I'd sit at home and, I could find myself watching a game on ESPNU of like Tennessee State and, you know, Jacksonville State. And, you know, I, I love watching Ohio Valley hoops. You know, my friends, you know, give me jabs all the time. Like, why do you bother with this? Like, why, why can't you watch, you know, a big ACC game? Well, yeah, I can, but and it's a good it's a good game to watch but i really enjoy watching the ohio valley and watching mid-major basketball and so since then that's kind of where where i've been with you know the ohio valley you know my dad and i still try to go to at least you know one basketball and football game each year which is down at southeast missouri state since that's the school we live closest to um but now SIUE has now since moved into the Ohio Valley. So that's kind of nice for us to be able to go up there and watch a SEMO game here and there. Um, But yeah, like TJ, I'm very excited to uh, devote all my knowledge and, you know, passion into the Ohio Valley and hope, uh, hope you'll enjoy listening to it. I think one of the things that happens for me is you feel so connected to all these players. It's, it's easy to see in North Carolina, Duke, those guys are going to go on. They're going to go on to huge things, and that's great for those guys. But when you get to see a kid play for two, three, four years, and you're watching enough on ESPN Plus now, used to be ESPN 3. Yep. I've taken friends with me that don't watch. They're basketball fans, but they don't watch the value like I do. And all of a sudden, I'll be like, oh, so-and-so's coming into the game for uh, Northern Iowa. And then they'll hear the guy at, at the arena like, and entering the game, like, how do you know that? Because like, I just watch enough of it becomes like a, a, another sense that you know how these coaches get into their patterns. Coaches are kind of the stars in this league, too. To some yeah. degree. I mean, Ben Jacobson's been there for 14 years now. He played in the league, and you keep having players come back and coach in the league on some level. And I think it just kind of breeds that familiarity, that, that family feeling that oh, sure. Missouri Valley Conference has. I'm sure Ohio Valley Conference is the same way. Well, as you mentioned about like the the coaches being a main part of this, you know, conference for the Missouri Valley, the Missouri Valley and Ohio Valley both have that somewhat in common. Like if you're a coach and you want to, you know, move up the ranks to, you know, the major conferences, um, both conferences are a great place to start. And I'll use Murray State as an example from the Ohio Valley. They have had numerous coaches come through that have done well with Murray State, and they're now coaching 
with power five schools and you know the missouri valley is the same way i know ben jacobson's been there for a while and there are some coaches that you know they find that right community and they're they're fine with staying there but i like your point on the uh the coaches aspect now that you know the backstory of the name and how we came to this podcast you're probably wondering what this show will consist of you know next week and you know down the road here well the off-season plan here is to you know discuss the transfer portal our hope and goal is to get interviews on here you know about one interview per show once we get going whether that's a player coach athletic director sports information or uh just a college basketball analyst you know somewhere throughout the country that you know follows mid-major hoops a lot and you know get their opinion on some college basketball um, information as we uh, get going but also we're going to do our Mount Rushmore of each school so TJ's going to do his Mount Rushmore for the Missouri Valley schools and I will be doing the Mount Rushmore for the Ohio Valley schools and as well we're going to break down schedules throughout the offseason now, I know, TJ, with you being, you know, the big Missouri Valley uh, fan you are, which school su- has surprised you the most with, like, transfers this season? I think you've seen a huge turnover at Missouri State. I know they brought they brought seven guys in, and they lost a few key guys with transfers. And those seven, that includes new freshmen coming in as well, but Tyreek Dixon leaving who played quite a bit. Now he's headed to Coastal Carolina and uh, Josh Hall as well. Both those guys were over five points a game, four boards a game, got in most every game, at least for Josh Hall. And now they're gone. I think that's a a big change over here in Dana Ford's third year, but they had, I mean, if you look at just the statistics on these guys that are coming in at Missouri state, they've got some big bodies. Uh, They got a seven footer. They got a six, 10 kid, Two more kids at six, excuse me, three more kids at six, seven coming in. I mean, just going to be huge cross line. And Missouri State played so physical this last year. And I think Dana Ford's really looking to kind of create a culture there that um, some people were critical of this last year. It's things with all this transfers. It didn't seem like the guys quite gelled as well as they had hoped. So to piggyback off that, um, besides doing transfers throughout these shows, We'll also get into some of the head coaching changes throughout both uh, conferences. And one key guy I want to mention to go along with Missouri State is Southeast Missouri State's new head coach, Brad Korn. He has spent time as a coach or player at Southern Illinois as well as Missouri State. So right there you see a guy that's been involved in this Midwest region who then went to Kansas State under Bruce Weber, who also had ties to Southern Illinois. And uh, Simo went in and got him as a as their new head coach, and he's going to do his best to turn this program around. So that's just a little bit of what we'll be doing throughout these uh, episodes in the coming weeks. Um, you know, I said we'll break down schedules. You know, during this time, it's, you know, it seems like each day a new non-conference game gets released. Um, so as those games get released, we'll uh, we'll break those down and uh, and we will go from there. What What do you think? Going back to your point about Simo and bringing in Coach Corn, 
what do you think constitutes success at a place like SEMO? I mean, I feel like they've got a really great facility with the show me center there. Are they, and they're kind of halfway, halfway is probably overestimating it, but a, a good middle ground between St. Louis, Memphis, you know, can you get into the Columbia, Missouri area, things like that. So what, what kind of builds it up so that SEMO can say, Hey, this is a good thing for us that, that coach Corn could, Hey, I've done some good things here. Well, I'm glad you asked that. It is just confused me over the last, you know, so many years that SEMO has not been able to be a like consistent team atop, you know, the standings. You know, there's no reason they can't be like a Murray State or Belmont as of late. You know, SEMO has a great facility. Like you said, the Show Me Center is one of the top facilities in the conference. You know, they have money at that school. It's a beautiful campus. And there are other there are other athletic programs throughout that school that have been having success lately. So there's no reason that this campus or program cannot draw, you know, the attraction for, you know, incoming recruits or whatever the case may be. But I think in order to to get the uh, the student athletes to stay, because that's one of the problems SEMO has had in, you know, the last couple of years is they've had a lot of solid players come in as an underclassman, but by the time they're a junior, they transfer out. And I'll use Denzel Mahoney as an example. He was, I think it was the 5A, 6A player of the year, don't quote me on that, down in Florida, his junior season, but then he got hurt. So like the larger schools stayed away from him his senior year. He wound up at Southeast Missouri State and his freshman year, he was all OVC freshman of the year um, and or the all freshman team. And then his sophomore year, he was first team all OVC and then he transferred out and went to Creighton. Now, he wasn't starting at Creighton. He was the, technically the sixth man, but still a heck of a year for him in the Big East. And that that's just an example of some of the guys Simo has had to uh, come through that program. But to get back to your point, I don't see why SEMO can't find the success that the other schools have. And I think one of the big points that SEMO will have to do is get a head coach that that knows the region really well. He, he can connect with the players, and I think that'll go a long way. Now, Dickie Nutt, he was at SEMO... I guess his last year was probably about six years ago, maybe. I'd be even further back than that because I remember that was back when you were still in high school. And yeah, that could kind of took over that program. That could be maybe eight years ago. Okay. Um, but he got SEMO back, back to a reasonable program to where you know fans actually enjoyed watching the game. You know, SEMO was like, I think they were second or third in the country in points per game one of his years. Um, but he had back-to-back winning seasons, and that was the first time Simo had back-to-back winning seasons, and I couldn't tell you when. And now, since he's left, um, Simo struggled to uh, find that success consistently, but a lot of that has to do with the recruits they get. They're there, they're freshman, sophomore, they show a lot of potential, then they transfer out. And so that's one of the areas we'll get into later on in recent weeks, or, yeah, down the road, but... Simo's lost like 
I don't know, I've lost track like at least six to seven transfers the last couple of years that are starting at other Division One schools. So if SEMO could have kept all of them, they could have been competing for an Ohio Valley, I would like to say, regular season championship. And I don't want to say that's all that all falls on Coach Rick Ray because he did a great job recruiting them to get them to SEMO. But there's got to be something there that across this country that all these players are wanting to transfer out because it's just not these two conferences. It's across the board. So hopefully Brad Korn will be able to get the guys to commit their freshman year and stay till they're, you know, a senior. Do you think it would help? Obviously if they had some success in terms of the league. I suppose everybody's always looking up at Belmont and Murray state from the bottom. They're like, well, how do we get ahead of that? I can go to Creighton who, was competing for it at the top of the Big East, one of the top teams in the country, and not just using it as a, as a kind of a, uh, launching spot, so to speak. Yeah, I do think that would help. Um, obviously, the, the success and winning percentage goes a long way to student-athletes wanting to participate in that program because, you know, not a lot of players want to go to a school and just, you know, go out there and lose every game. Um, but to another point would be, SEMO has had guys like Antonius Cleveland, who's now in the NBA. So, I mean, if you're good and good enough, they'll find you. So him being able to find success at SEMO and work his way into, you know, the NBA, that is a big attraction for student athletes because then it's like, well, you know, I don't have to go play in a Power 5 conference. I can stay here, you know, work on the – you know, the things that I need to get better at to attract scouts. And this is a good, good school to do that. You know, you're not going to be, you're not going to be a school where you're going to have, you know, let's say you're Duke and you're going to have the students, you know, five feet off the court, you know, playing in a tough atmosphere. No, this is, it's kind of more of a laid back atmosphere while being competitive and finding success is still there. So I, back to your point on, does uh, being like a Belmont or Murray State help? Yes. But I also think being in the same conference as those two schools also help because Murray State and Belmont find a lot of time on, you know, national television. Yeah, and Belmont, I've seen a couple of games played there. I mean, you talk about at Duke being right on the floor. Belmont, they are right on top of that floor, you know, and what, what college kid wouldn't want to take a road trip? Hey, let's go watch your team play in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that'd be a, a great trip for, you know, kids to take. And heck, maybe you can't afford to go to Belmont because the, there's so few tickets. Go to Tennessee State. Yeah. Tennessee State is a great inner city program, so to speak, that they're the one state school in the city of Nashville. And there's a lot of great things about Nashville. That, heck, I think it'd be great to do a double dip. Seymour's going. Oh, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and have some fun in, in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, because both those schools are located in Nashville and, you know, they're I don't want to go off topic, but Tennessee State also plays some of their home football games at the Tennessee Titans Stadium. So, I mean, there are great venues throughout this conference. And as you said, Nashville is a very, you know, popular area to go. And if you're going down there, why not take in a nice basketball game while you're there? Um, but the Missouri Valley's done a nice job with having locations, you know, like that as well with having that tournament in St. Louis, you know, a lot of people don't 
think of St. Louis as that, you know, big destination vacation area. But if you're a sports fan, St. Louis is a great place to visit. You know, there's more than one area that you can find an area to have fun in when you're in St. Louis. You know, you have the Cardinals, the Blues. Ballpark Village has the Cardinals Hall of Fame there. And now you got the MLS coming. Yeah, I I think it's a great city. You know, I love the city anyway, being from this area. I look forward to it every year. And I, I see people that the only time I see them is at the tournament. I have people that I've met through the tournament and they come down. And it's different for me. I'm the guy that's going to be there. I'm going to watch all nine games. I think since 2012, I've missed three games and two were for a wedding. Love how you know this off the top of your head. <laughs> yeah, two were for a wedding and one was for a job interview, which I didn't get the job. So in hindsight, I was like, what the heck am I doing here? I want to be going and watch a game. But I hurried up afterwards, got out of my suit and went and saw the second game of the day, you know, yeah, but I'm, I'm that nerd too. I'm the guy doing a podcast on the Missouri Valley <laughs> Conference. So that people are just here to watch SIU Carbondale play, or we're here to watch Wichita State play. And I think that's been a, a big kind of change for the tournament too, is losing Wichita State, losing Creighton. Oh yeah. And tons of fans, but it makes it better for me because I get better seats. I get, <laughs> you know, fewer people. I get to the point where I have, my vendors, these are the people that by day two, they, they see me coming. They're getting out what I, they know I'm going to purchase. You know, I have my, my restroom breaks timed out and everything like that. And just year after year, you get to see these people. And it's like old home week. Yeah. It, as you've said, once you've been doing it for a while, it, it, it's something you look forward to. And, and you find find the ability to do it year in and year out. And it's something you look forward to. And it's something that you have a passion for. So why not use that passion and you know, talk about it. Right. I, I know it's been brought up that, that was one of the concerns or the frustrations for the Wichita State group that they brought in so many fans. Why can't we have this tournament in Kansas City once every third, fourth? Fifth? Sure. And I get that. I understand. But how far that is away for it's not loyal, cl- yeah. uh, uh, things like that. And it's just one of those, it was hard to please everybody. But, you know, and they kind of like with the Missouri Valley Conference offices being in St. Louis and commissioner elgin that it makes it convenient for them and for a lot of people that you know so you please wichita state people for a couple of years what about those people that came to st louis every year and wanted to go down to sular sure or the hill and have those restaurants that they eat at every year as you know or then you're adding another four hour drive for most of those people well and you take that into consideration where the wichita fans you know wanted them to go to kansas city with it but if you do that, it's kind of like, where do you stop then? Because, okay, Loyola, you know, had that great run. Why, why not take it up to Chicago then? You know, right. so. Yeah, I think you start talking about Chicago, you bring in a whole nother uh, set of hurdles yep. to bring in. Uh, cost is probably the top one. Everybody knows you're going to go to Chicago. It's going to be more for the hotel. Parking yep. is going to get you, you know. Um, yeah, you can use the L, but you have to be pretty familiar with the city. You're not going to play at the United Center. You're not going to play at Gentile Arena on Loyola's campus. So where are you going then? And there are some viable facilities. Sure. But I don't know that they want to go to DePaul's campus. You know, I, I kind of wonder about that. How do you feel as an Ohio Valley Conference fan that they moved from a neutral site, so to speak, in Nashville? Then they moved to Evansville. There's no school there, but they're on somebody else's, another university's floor. Yeah. I like the facility itself. I mean, the Evansville Arena is very nice. 
they've done a nice job uh, making that, you know, up to par to attract like a conference tournament like the Ohio Valley. So from that st- standpoint, seeing it on television, it looks nice. Um, but I don't understand why they would move from Nashville to Evansville besides the arena looking nicer than the municipal auditorium they were playing in. It's all concert there. It was Eddie Money. He was still kicking. I mean, that was a great show. Not because of the venue, but it was a great show. (laughs) Eddie Money was fantastic, too. But I I don't know why they would have moved from there. Um, There's not even Ohio Valley School that is located in Indiana. Not not only Evansville. There's just not an OVC school in Indiana. Yeah. I, I wonder, too, though, like with Nashville, like I said about Chicago, I wonder if the rising cost to be a tourist in Nashville played a role. I, that you could know, be. About teams trying to reserve, and they do the men's and women's together. So, you know, if you're a Murray State and your men and your women book it, and now you're booking twice as many rooms in a city that's it's not – I won't say it's expensive, but it's not cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're, uh, you know, if you're one of the players – families going down there you probably will be spending a lot more money in nashville compared to evansville because you know evansville doesn't have that big attraction like nashville does um so i mean money has to be the only factor in it but i mean i thought nashville was a great place just because there's already two schools in nashville that that are there, but maybe that had a factor in it too. Right. Maybe they're going to draw more fans than the other teams as well. So, yeah, I know there was some discussion on the MVC fans message board about what if they moved it to Schaefitz Arena, and there were so there was some pushback by some of the fans on there. Like, wait, now you're going to another conference's school, and I will tell you, Schaefitz Arena, there is not a bad seat in that house. There isn't. I'm not one for hyperbole. But I've sat up top, you know, my buddies in the band still at 40 some odd years old, has gotten his tickets. I'm thankful for him. It's like, it's not a bad seat, you know, but you start worrying about restaurants. Yep. The Metrolink is a good distance away. Yeah, it's not. You start walking there, especially if you're not familiar with the city. And parking is kind of a hassle there. Yeah, it is. So, and downtown is so convenient to those other things. Not to say it's not without its, its problems, but I think... You start what you gain in shape as being a better basketball facility. You lose in the location with Enterprise Center. I would agree. You know the the Enterprise Center is right in the middle of everything. While Shafitz Arena is very nice, well, then you start to take into consideration like, okay, if I'm a fan and I don't want to drive, how am I getting from you know the transportation of MetroLink or whatever the case may be to Shafitz? If it's raining, oh, that means I got to walk, you know, a mile to get there. Then you got to wonder about parking. And I've parked there before, and there's a lot of traffic outside of Chaffetz when you're trying to get into a slew game. Well, now that's just a slew game. Now, if you got fans coming from, you know, all different, all ten different, you know, s- schools, it's going to be even more hectic to get from place A to place B. So. The good thing about Enterprise, you can walk to whether your car is parked in one of the lots right there or it's in a parking garage three blocks away. Well, if it's three blocks away, you can stop and get dinner somewhere or stop in and, you know, break up the walk. Right. Here's my cheapskates guide to the Missouri Valley Conference. You park at Bush Stadium Parking West. It's like six bucks. It went up a whole dollar. So it's another 20 percent. But 
I can walk three or four blocks and, you know, I'm not fighting traffic. Yep. I get a little bit of exercise in, which obviously I could use, but, and I just, I'm one of those people, I would rather it take me longer moving than to sit in traffic. And, yeah. You know, and then it's six bucks versus 20 bucks too. So. Well, and chances are, if, if you're in traffic, you would have walked further anyway and saved time. Right. Yeah. So. Hey, we have great insights and you're going to save money. I mean, if you're a fan of this show, hopefully we can save you some money along the way here. Um, but moving on from like the off season topics, once the regular season gets here, we're going to go twice a week. Um, which days that will be, well, depend on the volume of games on which days are being played. Um, as we'll get to that here in a little bit, um, we'll be discussing the matchups as well as, you know, players to watch and we'll, we're going to do our best to continue interviews throughout the regular season, you know, Obviously, right now, we do not know what what people we will have on for interview, but we're, we're going to do our best to, you know, get quality people on here and bring you their insight into the Missouri Valley or the Ohio Valley Conference, or maybe come tournament time just to get somebody on here and say, hey, which team out of these two conferences do you think has the best chance to, you know, make a run in March Madness if they win their conference? So... That's just something to look forward to. Um, but with that, we're going to go into our final thoughts segment. We're going to discuss a whole lot on this first episode, just kind of give you the background of the conferences, what the show is about, and what we will be as this continues. So, TJ, you got any final thoughts? What, what do Missouri Valley fans need to know is different from that conference, the Ohio Valley Conference? Like, for example... The big one right off the bat is that there's 12 teams in the Ohio Valley as opposed to just the 10 in the Missouri Valley Conference. What else do you think our, our Missouri Valley friends need to know is different? And I can kind of weigh in on what it's like on the Missouri Valley side for Ohio Valley friends. Okay. So as you just mentioned, the difference with the 10 to 12 teams, uh, but the games itself, I know for the Ohio Valley, all the conference games are on Thursdays and Saturdays. And it's typically, unless one game is nationally televised, the men's games will always follow the women games. So more times than not, the men's games aren't going to start on schedule for when the tip-off is slated to be. You know, if it's supposed to be at 745, chances are it's not tipping off till 8, 815, you know, Eastern time. Um, it's obviously for those schools to save some money. You're taking one trip instead of exactly things like that. Missouri Valley Conference doesn't do that. They have independent men's and women's schedules for their conference play. And they'll also, you'll play twice a week. You'll play Saturday, Sunday, and then you could play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's typically when it is. So you, I always think of it kind of being in rounds as opposed to, to dates, which is kind of nice if I can split it up. But other times where I'm have nothing going on on Wednesday. I might have three or four TVs set up. And, you know, Thursday I got something to do. And it seems like that's when the SIU Carbondale's playing. Like, oh, dang, I, need, I wanted to be here. <laughs> you know, I don't get to see the same commercials over and over. Again. Yeah, yep. <laughs> ESPN3, you know, like what was the one we talked about before, the, the drug addiction yep. work. Like that guy, like, every time it came on, my wife was like, this guy again? Like, hey, he's trying to save lives here. <laughs> you know, so um, I know the tournament's different as well. Obviously, the different locations Missouri Valley Conference uh, women's tournament is in a different location. They're up in the Quad Cities area. Okay. And but all <clears> the, <throat> all ten teams get into the tournament. 
Well, I can tell you that's different from the Ohio Valley, and which I agree, or I like the idea that all teams should get in because it is March Madness time, and all fans love that team that's able to make that run come you know March. Um, but the Ohio Valley is different, and they're one of few conferences that that operate like this. So there's 12 teams in the conference. The top eight, only the top eight make the Ohio Valley tournament. And with that top eight, the top two teams each get a double bye. So the top two teams get a double bye, and then the three and four seeds get a single bye. So then with that, you have your five and eight seeds playing, and then your six and seven. And so if you're a one of those teams five through eight, there's a there's a good chance that you're playing, you know, four games to four games in a row if you want to get to the championship. But do I like the double buys? I do because when you're in a you know an Ohio Valley conference, you want your team to succeed in March Madness. Now, if you're a, if you're a team that has a double buy, that means you finish with the first or second best record, and that means you're having the trying to have the best chance to get to the NCAA tournament. And if you're having a double buy, that's less games you have to play, and there's a less likely ability that you're going to get knocked out by one of those seeds that are five through eight. Now, do I like the fact that the bottom four seeds don't make it? or the bottom four in the conference don't make it. I wish all 12 would make it just because of the point I said, everybody deserves that chance in March to, you know, kind of, Hey, we're going to push the restart button here. Restart. Let's see what happens. Um, But I also see why they don't, because let's say the 11th, 11th seed team gets on a roll, gets to the championship and wins. Okay, well, now they're probably guaranteed either a play-in game or a 16-seed spot, and chances are they're going to get blown out by, you know, one of the one-seeds. So the OVC is doing their best to to try and have as much success in the NCAA tournament, which I love because the OVC has been a solid conference to have upset wins in recent years. And just two years ago, both Murray State and Belmont made it to the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of where I'm at with the OVC. Yeah. Well, Missouri Valley went to the 10-team format in 97, I believe it was. And it's only happened, and one of the two seed only have one bye. So they're waiting on two teams that played Thursday night, win, get in there, and they're all in the quarterfinals. Before this season, only one team had gotten from Thursday all the way to Saturday, and it happened twice this year. So I'm sure that Northern Iowa and Loyola in the Missouri Valley Conference, like, man, we would really have loved to have that done. Oh, yeah. Kind of get get rewarded for that season. But at the same time, you had a team like Valparaiso, who'd had some health issues with some of their players, weren't really full force, and even their best player, Javon Freeman Liberty, was fighting mono, the reports were, in the last couple weeks. But then they got in there, got hot, and they you know went to the, the championship game against Bradley. And that took three wins in a row. And there was probably some issues of fatigue. Oh, sure. Those last eight to ten minutes, a lot of people that watch that game would say that. But that's part of it, too. Like, you know, Bradley got rewarded to some degree because they were the, the four seed. But they 
didn't have to play on Thursday either. So. Yeah. And I guess we should mention that the OVC and Missouri Valley were one of t- one of the two, well, two of the few conferences that actually played and finished their whole conference tournament because it seems like after that first weekend of conference tournaments came and went, then that's when all the shutdowns started. So if you're an OVC or MVC fan or if you're uh, somebody that like a restaurant owner in one of those two cities, you paid benefit to having those two, you know, play and finish because I know the NCAA tournament itself was supposed to have been in St. Louis this right. year. Right. And I, I can't imagine how much money was lost by them not being able to play, whether it be restaurants, bars, hotels, parking. I mean, a lot of stuff comes into play there. Right. And overarching, how much is going to impact athletic programs across the board? Sure. Not just men's basketball teams, women's basketball teams, but that's a cash cow for the NCAA to have that tournament. I know, I think I read somewhere that they had insurance on it, but probably not bringing that in. So how does that affect a softball player at SEMO? How does that affect a swimmer at, you know, uh, SIU Carbondale? Who knows? We don't know what the impact's going to be on those budgets. They're going to have to make cuts sure. somewhere. And that's that's a pretty big deal. The other thing I think is the difference between the Ohio Valley and the Missouri Valley is that the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament has their women's team tournament at the same time, don't they? Yes. It's interchanged, so they're all in Evansville at the same time. So, I mean, if you're a nerd like us, it'd be a nice thing to hang out in Evansville. Yeah. And get to watch some women's basketball games and and really see the difference and give those women a, a chance to shine too to kind of be on that floor sure kind of have some spillover fans like hey you know we've done everything we can do in evansville let's go watch you know we're here for murray state men let's watch murray state women too yeah not not a bad outlook uh but with that that will wrap up our first episode of view of the valleys podcast thanks for tuning in this week be sure to tune in next week as we give you our Mount Rushmores for Austin P. and Bradley, as well as our thoughts on transfers thus far. For TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one.